Good evening. Welcome to the last chapel service of the fall 2010 trimester at Nazarene Bible College. The fact that you're clapping means that you're still glad to be here. Amen? All right? Yeah, good, good, good. And glad you made it. Um, glad you made it. Uh, speaker of the evening is uh, Professor Dave Church. He is the director of the Leadership and Ethics Program uh, here at Nazarene Bible College. He's the, he's the newest of the faculty members on campus. So would you welcome him, please? His, his wife, Paula, works in the library, and she teaches some of you folks English, I think. So would you welcome her? And then Dr. Bill Selwage and Libby Tedder have been around again today from Nazarene Theological Seminary. Glad you guys are here. Uh, this is winter in Colorado. This is winter in Colorado, uh, at least for two days, and then it'll be something else. Right, right. Always just takes me a bit to get from where I was to where I am, and then back again, so... I pray this prayer with me. Hear my Lord, purify me. He wants to do an old song. It's why we're here, to worship and obey you. It's why we're here, because you made it possible for us to do just that. Broke our chains, set us free, and offering a crown for us. Thank you for your word and for your servant, and for the way that your spirit combines that with the, our spirits and helps us to hear what we need to. So we pray, make that happen now. Uh, we open ourselves to you one more time. We desire to worship and obey. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Does everyone have a, a sheet for reading? Okay. Anybody else? Okay. Did you hear about the gentleman that was at the golf club the other day and he was sitting there and over behind him was some, some other men and the phone beside him rang and he flipped it open and put it on the speaker phone and he said uh, hello and uh, somebody on the other end said uh, are you at the club and he said uh, yes I am and uh, obviously it's a female voice and she says well I'm at the mall and I just found this beautiful leather coat 
and uh, it's on sale. It was only a thousand dollars and it's marked down to nine hundred and if I get a credit card today I can get another ten percent off. He said well sure go ahead and buy it if that's what you want. She said oh by the way I stopped by the Mercedes-Benz dealership today and they have the 2011 cars in. And he said, well, well, how much is the one you like? She said, well, it's $65,000. 65000 He said, well, if you're going to spend that much, you better make sure it has all the options on it. She said, well, thank you. I, I'll stop by on the way home. And oh, by the way, that house we looked at in the spring, it's on the market again. And now it's only $950,000. Hmm. So, well, go ahead and make an offer, but don't make anything higher than 900000 She said, okay, I love you. He said, I love you too. He hung up the phone, put it beside him. As he got up to leave, the other guys were just in amazement, right? And he said, oh, by the way, does anybody know whose phone this is? <laughs> We'll do just about anything to look good, won't we? Some of us will even put on one of these choker chains to, to try to look better. I'm not sure it works. The passage for our consideration this evening is Romans 6, 12 through 13. Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin, as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life, offer every part of yourself to Him as an instrument of righteousness. We heard a few minutes ago that this is your last chapel for the semester, and I heard a few cheers. I'm not sure I think with this being my uh, third year here, I'm kind of getting this pattern that on the last chapel before the end of the semester, we seem to have a good crowd. I don't know if it's because you're here to pray for help for the exams or what that is, uh, but it's been a, a great semester. And I went back and reviewed some of the sermons that you heard in chapel. How many of you come to Tuesday night chapel as well as Wednesday? Okay, so we started the semester with uh, uh, the dean talking to us about starting with the end in mind. Do you remember that sermon? And then uh, Dr. Ott talked to us about x-rays. And uh, Joe Warrington spoke about holy worship. Uh, Dr. Russum talked about God's power and promise and that he was there to counsel you. Uh, our chaplain spoke on purity. Dan King asked us, told us to be careful what we ask for. Do you remember that? And then uh, Dr. King talked about 99 and 44 
one hundredths pure. And he spoke to us out of Leviticus, I think it was chapter 12. And if we had moved on into chapter 13, we would have found out that, uh, that when a person had leprosy, they came before the priest. And the only person that was allowed to determine whether a person had leprosy was the priest. You couldn't decide for yourself. Your neighbor couldn't decide. Somebody at work couldn't decide. It was only the priest. And every time I read that, I, I revel in the fact that God always seemed to have mercy and to give grace. And so if the priest wasn't sure, he would shut you up for seven days by yourself and check again and check again. It's only God's agent that can tell you whether you're pure or not. For us today, that means only the Holy Spirit can decide whether you have purity or not. Your neighbor can't decide. Your professor can't decide. Your pastor. It's only the Holy Spirit. So this evening, I, I would like to kind of close out this this term of uh, asking the Lord and saying to him, here am I, purify me, by looking at uh, three specific stories in Scripture. Now, at uh, Nazarene Bible College, we believe and teach, and I hope we demonstrate the following. We believe that if you admit that you are a sinner, and you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you confess with your mouth that you are saved. We also believe that when we give Christ control of our will, he comes and purifies our heart and makes us holy. Makes us holy. Let's read and reflect on three lessons that... I would like us to pay attention to. Reading number one on your sheet. If uh, these two sections over here would read together with me this passage of scripture. Genesis chapter 3 verses 1 through 8. Would you read with me please? Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. 
and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? What have we learned in this passage? Here were two people that had a perfect life, right? No sickness, no financial worries, no difficulty finding job, no sick children at home, no children at home, right? But in the cool of the day, they got to walk and commune with God. And even in that situation, no visible signs of impurity. Here they are perfect, talking with God every day. And yet, down inside, there was a seed. There, there was a problem of purity. I would like us to stop and think for a minute about three things. Adam and Eve were thrown out of the garden because of pride, because of intellectual arrogance, because of disobedience. It was obvious that they disobeyed God. So they were not pure because they disobeyed God. A couple of questions for us to consider as you are growing in wisdom and stature and knowledge at NBC. Is my increase in knowledge and stature causing me to become arrogant or self-sufficient? Does my behavior reflect a, a proper Christ-like balance? Am I disobedient in any regard to the Holy Spirit? Am I pure? Am I pure? The next story I would like us to look at is the men of Shinar. You remember this story about the temple that they uh, built? If you would, those of you in the middle section here, read with me reading number two from Genesis chapter 11, verse 1 through 8. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heaven so that we may make a name for ourselves Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they can plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over the earth and they stopped building the city. That is why it is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. 
Here we see a different situation. It is not direct disobedience, is it? Is there anything wrong with building a city? Is there anything wrong with wanting security or for making a name for yourself? The problem that we see here is that they have an inordinate or unrestricted, unrestrained desire that is not pleasing to God. They aren't disobedient. They aren't doing anything that is improper. But in their heart, their motive is not right. Are any of my desires and motives unpure? Maybe I'm called to be a DS, or I think I should be the next president, or you know what I'm talking about. What, what are our motives? Do my observable actions reflect the love of God to all people? Do I treat all people with the same amount of respect? Does the love of Christ flow through me to each and every one? Holy Spirit, check me if there is. Not that I'm obviously disobedient, but what about my spirit? The third lesson is even a little more less uh, overt, I guess, is what I want to say. Let's look at Moses, and let's look at a couple of passages of Scripture. Those of you in these two sections, if you would read the first part of reading number three, Exodus 34, 29 through 33. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them. So Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him, and he spoke to them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near him, and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. Now, this all looks very good, right? Moses is, in the previous chapter, it says he's a friend of God. And he's gone and God has delivered to him the tablets of stone. But in the New Testament, we see a different nuance of what was going on here. What does Paul say about this situation. Let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 9 through 13. If the government of condemnation was impressive, how about this government of affirmation? Bright as that old government was, it would look downright dull alongside this new one. If that makeshift arrangement impressed us, how much more this brightly shining government installed for eternity? With that kind of hope to excite us, nothing holds us back.
Unlike Moses, we have nothing to hide. Everything is out in the open with us. He wore a veil so the children of Israel wouldn't notice that the glory was fading away and they didn't notice. Moses, he's quite a guy. He's the one that stood up and said, I would rather be counted with the children of Israel than to have a pleasure for a season with Pharaoh, right? He's the one that was a friend of God and got the tablets. And yet, here we find out that his innermost motive was he covered his face, not just because of, of the shine that was on his face, but he didn't want them to see when the shine faded away. He didn't want them to know that he was losing it. Okay? He didn't want them to know that he didn't have, he didn't want to lose his control. He didn't want to lose their respect. From this, I think we learn something about authority. And we learn something about what God wants out of us as pure Christians. Here we see Adam and Eve and the men of Shinar, they cross a line where their motive is not right. Moses, he's got some of the same things going on, right? He's concerned about control. He's concerned about how he's perceived by his fellow man. He's concerned about all of those issues. But he doesn't step across that line. He is living in a place where he is desirous of God working through him. Can we reflect for a minute? Can we let the Holy Spirit check us? Do I have an inordinate need to be in control? Am I always hiding my flaws? Am I concerned more about others' perceptions than I am about what God thinks of me? Am I a leader who serves? Or am I a servant of God who is placed in a position of leadership. Second Corinthians chapter 4 says, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels or in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, 
but not destroyed. What is your motive today? Why are you at NBC? Have you asked Christ to take charge of your will? Have you asked his spirit to come and to dwell in you? What is your motivation? We have this treasure in jars of clay that he might get the glory. If he made us perfect physically and made us look good and, and made us perfect physically and mentally, then we would get the glory. But he desires the glory. And he will receive the glory. Either because we ascribe it to him or because he takes it. Which way will you minister? Which way will you serve? Am I willing to accept the fact that I'm just a jar of clay? Are you willing to accept the fact that God will use you the way he wants to use you? And that you don't have to look good in other people's eyes. It's a jar of clay. It has imperfections. We have faults and failures. But God will work through us if we will let him to do the things that we couldn't possibly do. If he can get the glory. I would like us to sing this song, Holy Spirit, Be My Guide. Holy Spirit, my door is open wide. If there's anything you want to say to me tonight, I'm open, I'm ready, I'm willing. If you need to check me in any place in my ministry, in my person, I am here, I'm ready, I'm willing. If you need to talk to him about that, these altars are open. That's what they're here for is the opportunity to bring our motives and our jars of clay and put them in his hands.
stand with me if you would please I want you to know that if you don't know the spirit as your guide you can what a wonderful privilege to be a friend of God's and to have his communion on a daily basis the closing prayer is modified from Reverend Peter Marshall Almighty God creator of all things giver of every good and perfect gift hear us this day as we seek your blessing we acknowledge before you our shortcomings forgive us where we come short of your will for us create within us pure hearts and renew right spirits that we may, that we may do better and be better Forgive us our forgetfulness of the world's sore need and our contentment with things as they are. Hear us as we pray for all those in places of influence and authority that they may do right. Guide those who lead us and touch your servants with your Holy Spirit that our faith may be revived, our hope renewed and our vision be made clear. Give to us the conviction that with your help, all things are possible, even the most difficult things that baffle us now. God forbid that any of us here should add to the problems of the world, but rather resolve by your help to become part of the solutions. So help us, God, for Jesus' sake.